title today. Ready or not, here I come. And we're working our way a little bit through Matthew 24 and 25 and a little bit more on 25 next week. Um, you remember how it goes. You know, I, I hide my eyes, right, up against a tree or building. And, and uh, when we were kids, we played this a lot. And I count to 100. Of course, that's according to age. It might be 10. But uh, you count to 100, and, and then everybody else just takes off. And they're hiding. And at the end of that count, then I yell out with a loud warning, ready or not, here I come. And then here I come to see if I can find you. And hopefully you'll have a good spot. And, uh, and it's always a, a person that hides, you know, several miles away and you can't find him. In Matthew 24, Jesus gives us a mysterious countdown of a uh, the world conditions that are going to mark his second coming. And it comes from a question that the disciples ask, and oftentimes we do too. When are, when are you coming back? And don't you just long for that inside? You know, when, when are you going to straighten things out? I mean, the world is, is a mess. And, he's, and he tells them there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and signs in the heavens and on the earth and, and uh, uh, love of many people is going to grow cold and there's going to be disrespectful attitudes and hatred amongst people and uh, divided houses and, and uh, uh, people, just, um, just a horrible state of affairs and violence and uh, death and we have all that going on uh, with the drug addiction and the uh, slave trade in America is, which you don't hear much about but it's horrendous. Um, those are the kind of things that, that should trouble us. The abortion issues and, you know, there's so, many, there's so many things and they're so big and so complicated you don't know where to begin anymore and it's just frustrating. And so it's like, okay, Jesus, please come back and take care of this, will you? And you, and you just long for, for him to be king of kings and lord of lords and literally sit on a throne in Jerusalem and, and rule the world. And dear ones, that is going to happen. Yay. Okay. So he's telling them about all those things, but then he brings us back, brings them and us back to reality. He tells them about the abomination of desolation and about three and a half year time period of a great tribulation that's going to be so horrific that if it doesn't end, nobody on the planet would survive it. But he brings them and us back to the reality of today. He moves us to the end of the countdown and he focuses on the condition that his disciples should be in when he comes to find them. It's like there's a time clock of, that's, been, uh, uh, that's just been turned on, a timer, and it's counting down to this particular time. And we don't know when that's going to be. Uh, he doesn't tell us when it is. And people keep trying to figure out when it is. Um, but the question is... You know, he's coming again. The question is, will we be ready or not? What's the condition that we should be in when he comes? Let's look at this passage of Scripture from uh, chapter 24, verses 42 through 44. I'm going to read this in the Amp, Amplified Bible, and that's what I have on the screen for you as well. So be alert, give strict attention, be cautious and active in faith. For you do not know which day, whether near or far, your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the head of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you who follow me must be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour 
that you do not expect him. Okay, so don't fall for all the reasons that Jesus should come this year or next year or whatever that is. There's people that have just taken out newspaper cliff articles and just put it in a whole page in the newspapers that why Jesus is coming back on a certain date and we end up going, oh boy, it just makes us look really stupid as Christians because he just tells us all the way through Scripture, you don't know. I'm going to come at a time when you don't expect it. And I think there's one where it actually says when you least expect it. That's interesting. So Jesus moves the disciples' attention from, uh, from the final events in the future to a reminder to be a faithful follower in the present. The rest of this chapter and all of chapter 25 contains six parables to help us to understand the importance of faithfulness. And if Jesus spends time in six parables on the importance of being faithful, then we need to take heed to that. And I'm not going to cover all those today, but I just want to outline them here for you just a little bit. First one is a thief in the night. We'll talk about that one here in a few minutes. That's a reminder that we need to stay alert. The second one is an unfaithful servant. We'll have, probably cover that a little bit today too. But that's a reminder to just stay active and not fall backwards. And then in chapter 25, he begins with the ten virgins, the five who were foolish and the five who weren't. And that's a reminder. We need to keep oil in our lamp. We need to keep our light burning. Don't let it go out. And then there's the parable of the talents. And that's a reminder to use what God gives us for his glory, to just keep doing what God, the task, the assignment that God has given to us. And then there's the sheep and the goats. And that's a reminder that God will be the judge of all the earth. All the nations of the earth will stand before him. And uh, that's an interesting passage. And then there's a parable of the king that's in disguise. And that, is, of course, is a reminder of who God considers to be valuable compared to who we consider to be valuable. He's talking about the lame and the, and the sick and the prisoners and you know, uh, the people that he's after rather than the people sometimes that we go after. All right, so those are some parables that we're going to cover over this, this next week, the rest of those. But for today, through these parables, Jesus is saying, don't get so focused on trying to figure out the future events that you forget to remain faithful in the here and now. Remember years ago, back in the uh, 80s, and uh, I don't know, most of you probably weren't even alive then, but back in the 80s, there was a series that came out, a Left Behind series. And the first one of those was uh, A Distant Thunder. Remember that? Oh, some of your older folks do remember. That's great. Anyway, I don't feel so bad now. Okay, so that was really a cool thing. It just scared the bejeebies out of people. You know, it was about the rapture. And you remember, the really cool thing is that people were gone and their clothes were folded up in a nice pile. You know, like, what were they wearing when they got to heaven? I don't know, but the clothes weren't there. And everybody's clothes were all folded up nice and neat. So it was just, it was a fun movie, but yet it, it put a desire in people to make some changes in their life. But I found it interesting that some got their lives straightened out. I mean, really, that was a great series that they did. The Distant Thunder. Ooh. And it, it frightened them, frightened people enough to... And I'm talking about the good kind of a fear to say, you know what, God's coming back and, and I'm not ready. I, I better get myself ready to go. You know, anytime there's a catastrophe on our, on our planet it's, it comes close to us, we, we go, oh, we better get ready to go. Remember when 9-11 happened, everybody was going, oh, well, back in church. And that lasted for about a month and it was back in business again. Forget, forget everything we were focused on. Some people repented of their sins and received Christ and, 
and began to reconcile with people that they offended. But others just went out and had a last fling, so to speak. So, well, if that's going to happen, I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to enjoy it and go out in a blaze of glory. I was a real estate, in a real estate office at that time, and uh, one of the guys uh, that was a co-worker, a uh, real estate uh, broker, was telling him about it, and he went and saw the movie, and he says, yeah, he said, I said, well, what do you think? His name was John. And I said, what do you think, John? You, you know, you, what do you think? Are you going to give your life to Christ then and, and uh, be ready? And he said, no, I don't think so. He said, I think, you know, that's good information. And he said, when that happens, then he said, I just know that it's only going to be a short period of time, and, and, uh, and then I'll do it then. You know, I'll receive Jesus when that happens. And uh, what a sad deal. And doesn't it, and shouldn't it, break our heart when we find people that don't know the Lord and could care less and uh, or just care less about their life? And shouldn't it grieve us so much that we stop putting them down and condemning and judging them and begin to really share the love of Christ with them. Shouldn't it, shouldn't it bother us as believers to know that this person that I'm acquainted, acquainted with here, if that happened today, he's not going, she's not going. Um, you know, our life is so short and there's so many people that are just doing life from day to day and, and have no plan for the future at all. And shouldn't that just do something inside of us? A few years ago when I retired for about the fourth time in my life, <laughs> one of the farmers that was here at the church at that time said, hey, you're the kind of guy I need, I need you to become a green cart operator, a semi-driver for me, haul the grain in Iowa, not doing anything anyway. So I said, okay, so I, I can't tell you how I felt the first time I, I drove a grain truck into Westcon to unload it. And something hit me when I went in that driveway. Something hit me about the harvest and how excited the farmers and everybody is about the harvest getting that grain in and i and i and i it was a it, you know, we had to wait for people and it, it was my first trip in there and i wasn't sure what to do and and uh, long and short of it is i just sat there and i i had the windows rolled up which was good i just sat there and cried it just struck me how the lord looks at the harvest of souls of how exciting the harvest of souls is going to be for the Lord. How excited heaven is and how excited the angels are in heaven when one who was lost is found. The Lord went out and found them and, and how we can be a part of, of laborers in the harvest field. And that's what Jesus said. Don't, you know, don't, he didn't say pray for the lost. He said pray for workers in the harvest field because the harvest is so much, but the laborers are so few. And, and I just, those scriptures were coming through my mind and I just cried. And uh, isn't that how 
we should look at people. This is a little corn plant, you know. You're a little bean. And God wants to harvest you. And he's using you and I as harvesters. Not combines, but one by one we're plucking the ears, you know. <laughs> we're bringing in that harvest. Anyway, got a little sidetracked there, sorry. But we've got to have God... Would you stir us up with compassion for the harvest? We have so many things that we pray about, so many things that we, that we need to pray about, so many people needed to be healed, and so many people need to be changed and transformed in marriages and all the different things that are going on. But God, can you put it in your church? Can you put it in me? Can you put it in us to have a heart for the lost? I mean, really? God, can, can you bring us back to the, the value and the importance of being uh, a soul winner? So the, the, the point of the matter is that Jesus is coming again. Will we be ready or not? And the very next thing that Jesus goes into in the end of chapter 24 is a qualifying question. And here's what it is. He says in Matthew 24, 45 through 51, he asked this question, who, then, is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give the others in the house their food and supplies at the proper time? Blessed is that faithful servant when his master returns and finds him so doing. I assure you and most solemnly say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that servant is evil and says in his heart, my master is taking his time. He will not return for a long while. Begins to beat his fellow servants, eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour of which he is not aware and will cut him in two and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger. Wow. Listen, the Lord isn't all just lovey-dovey. Oh, it's okay. I just love you no matter what. And that's how he's projected in America too much today. He is full of love. God is love. There's no doubt about it. But there's a severity side of him that he hates sin, and he won't tolerate it. In the world to come, it won't be there. And people that are bent on it, and moving in that direction constantly, and that's their focus. Trouble ahead. So the news of Jesus' return, just like in the, the, the series of you know, Distant Thunder and, and all those things that came out in the, in the 80s and the, and the things that kind of stir us up a little bit, they should stir us and should spark a desire in me. Not a desire so that, I, so that I know the date and the time and what's going to happen and so that I can... I mean, there's so many books and so many things of, of, about this mysterious thing called the end times and who's the Antichrist and all those things. And you can just go on and on and on and on. And people, I've met people that get so focused in that that they forget <laughs> to, to be the kind of person that God wants them to be today. Jesus' return should spark some kind of a desire in me. 
And so here's a couple of desires that it should spark in me, and maybe you too. First one is a desire to keep my soul clean. It's a great song this morning. We sang that about cleansing of our soul. So what does that mean, cleansing of our soul? First John 3, 2 and 3, John says this, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we'll be like him, because we'll see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. There's a desire in God's people to be pure. Most of you have some gray hairs. Remember the holiness movement. When people really desired to be holy. And maybe it got a little bit carried away and they stopped doing this and stopped doing that and stopped doing this and stopped doing that. And that was, but I got to tell you, some of those little old ladies that had their hair up and all rolled up in a bun and uh, were really some holy people. Now, maybe you could say, well, they didn't, you know, they didn't dance and they didn't drink and they didn't smoke and they didn't swear and they didn't run around with the bad women. You know, it was us four or no more. I mean, we were just, but when they prayed, heaven came down. There was a, a, an interest and a desire in God's people to be holy. Above anything else, they wanted to live a holy life. And if there was things that got in their way, they removed it. They transformed, they changed their life. Now, was it perfect? I'm not saying it was perfect, but there was such a desire to be pure. God, do I have that desire to be pure? Do I have that desire to be clean? A desire to keep my soul clean. Or do I have a desire just to say, ah, it doesn't matter. We're going to have communion next month. So I'll just do whatever I want, and then I'll just have communion, and God will forgive me and be okay, because he just loves me so much. Okay. You choose. I'd like to have a desire to keep my soul clean. God, grant me a desire to keep my soul clean. Let me chase after the cleaning and the washing of my soul. That might mean that I have to say no to some things that are okay. But are impurities in my soul. And if I let impurities into my soul, then I'm not pure anymore. Years ago, I had two glasses I set up on the, on the pulpit, and, and uh, there was, both of them there were clear water in them. However, one of them I took from the toilet. And I told him that. Okay. Who wants to be the first one to come up and drink and tell me which one it is? Because they both look the same, see. And we've, we are a good-looking people. But we have a dirty soul. And secondly, there's a desire to obey God's word and love others. See, that's where the cleaning of the soul comes. Listen to what he says in, in Peter, 
First uh, Peter 1, 22 and 23. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from your heart. For you have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the loving, living, and enduring word of God. So there's something about obedience to the word of God that purifies the soul. You cannot walk... You, can't, you, you cannot walk in disobedience and then praise your way out of it. We can't praise and worship and sing a song out of disobedience. We can't worship our way out of that. There's only one way to clear and cleanse the soul, and that's by obedience to God's Word. Now, what does that mean? If I'm going to obey God's word, then I need to have love for other people. I can't carry unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart. I have a dirty soul. It'll never come clean until I obey that. And maybe as the Holy Spirit is in us because of, because of our faith in Christ, because this new covenant allows the Holy Spirit to dwell within me, he does something to my conscience. And when my conscience isn't clear, then that's sin. When my conscience isn't clear, that's dirty soul. That needs to be swept. My wife is an immaculate housekeeper. Drives me nuts. We have no dust bunnies. They cannot live in our house. I like her for that, but I always have to pick stuff up. Sometimes I'm like pig pen when I walk through the house. I'm just dropping mud. And I don't know why I said that. I love you, honey. We get, we, we get, we walk through things. Remember when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples? They said, oh, you don't have to do that. He said, yeah, I do. Because where you walk through this world, you've got to be careful because you pick up debris. And your soul can pick up that debris as well, the things we see, the things we hear. But boy, are we caught up in seeing and hearing stuff that we shouldn't be seeing and hearing. Oh, my goodness. I stopped, I stopped Facebook just for the simple reason. I, I couldn't believe what some of my, my fellow disciples were seeing and saying on Facebook and passing along. It's like, are you kidding me? That's not a condemnation of guilt, and I'm not better than anybody else. I got my own issues too, but I don't need to see that. I don't, I don't want to see that. A desire to obey God's word, what he's telling you. Well, listen to what he says about doing and, and the things that we do and the things that we hear. In Matthew 7, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Not the one who says, Lord, Lord. Anybody can say, Lord, Lord, that's pretty easy. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, he, he will enter. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who is wise, the wise man who builds his house on a rock. And the rains come and the floods come and the winds blew 
They slammed against the house, and yet it did not fail, for it had been founded on a rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain falls, the floods come, the winds blow, slams against the house, and it it fell, and great was its fall. The third thing I need to have is what the end times do for me, knowing that I'm going to have to give an account for the words and actions of my life. My conduct is so important. I should have a desire for godly conduct to conduct myself in the right manner. Now, all of us fall short of that. I mean, we all have our moments. (laughs) We do. But the desire should be there. See, I'm talking about desire here today. In 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13, it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, global warming. And the earth and its works will be burned up. That gets really hot. Since all of these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought I to be? In holy conduct and godliness. Looking for or hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. The Lord is coming. He's going to judge the world. Here come to judge. He's going to come and judge the world and he's going to judge everyone else everything in it. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, all of us individually. There won't be any attorney there with you. Just you and him. I had a friend who uh, I'd witnessed to for a number of months, a construction worker, sharing the gospel with him, and he just told me, he just gets so mad, he just, <laughs> his fist would turn white. If you, don't, if you don't quit telling me about Jesus, I'm going to punch you in the nose. He'd say. <laughs> I'd say, well, punch away because I'm going to keep talking to you. Shortly thereafter, we uh, had a trailer with a, you know, those pins that you pull the pin up and the trailer comes off the, off the ball. Well, it was stuck. Couldn't get it up off there. Cranked the thing down. It was just was stuck. So I took the skid loader and I came around, took the bucket, and I was just going to pop it up off there with the, the loader. And... Uh, about that time, he takes his hand and he puts it over that pin and went right up straight. I mean, it's a big fat pin. This was a big trailer. Went right up through his hand and came back out. And he's like this. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Long and short of it, we wrapped it up. I had a pilot's license, so we threw him in a plane in Esterville, Iowa, took him to Rochester, called ahead for the ambulance. They were there, landed. They took him in. I parked the plane, took a taxi, went into the, into the, uh, hospital room and asked the nurse if I could see him and they said no so I just sat there and waited pretty soon they came out and they said he'd like to talk to you so you can go in now and I said okay so I'll go in his hands all bandaged up and he tells me the story he said um, you know um, John he said I, I I was dreaming and I, I had this dream that that I went to heaven and they put me in this room and uh, this was back when they had you know they had uh, uh, videos. They didn't have CDs and stuff like that or uh, discs. 
they had videos. So he said they had, they had a video tape cassette. You know, the angels didn't, they hadn't upgraded yet. So anyway, he said they, they took this video uh, cassette and they shoved it in the, the player. And, and he said, here on the screen was all the stuff that I'd done in my life. He said, oh, man. He said, I was there watching that with the angels. He said, I was so embarrassed. And then when he got done, he was crying. He said to the angel, he said, what, how do I, is there a way out of that? And the angel said to him, yes. When you wake up in your room, call for John to come in, and he's going to pray for you, pray with you, and we're going to clean your slate because you need what he's been telling you about for a long time, John. You need Jesus Christ in your life. He told me that story. We're both crying. And uh, anyway, he, so he said, I said, so you want to pray now? You want, you want to talk about Jesus? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so we did. He gave his life to Christ. There's just something that, that should scare us a little bit about this idea of, you know, I'm going to have to give an account for the stuff that's going on in my life. And God's a record keeper. He's got a lot of, a lot of great books. <laughs> so the Lord is coming. He's the judge of all the earth and everybody in it. Beloved, there is no place that you can hide that he can't find you. I tried to hide in my life with drugs and with alcohol and with all kinds of everything that the world could offer. I tried to hide. And God will chase you down. He can find you. Dear ones, it's so much better if he finds you today and allows you to find him than if he finds you later on and you're without him. Ready or not, here I come, is what he says. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14 says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for all these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of the Lord as salvation. Salvation is the freedom from sin and the distress that I feel in anticipation of God's presence in my life. Don't run from that. Run towards it. Let the blood of Jesus cleanse you of all unrighteousness and set you free from the guilt of, and shame. We're going to worship him and and the last slide on there, I think, is what I want you to just think about. He's coming. He's going to find me. Am I ready or not? Am I ready or not? If you want to be ready, maybe you're here today and just need to repent of the direction that you got yourself going away from God rather than towards Him. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's a time that you need to, today's the day to repent and turn away from the things that are staining your soul. They're not getting you closer to God, but are in fact moving you away from Him. Dirty soul. I want to clean it up. What do I have to do to clean it up? Say, God, first off, I'm sorry 
that I did that, that I'm doing that. But secondly, I am going to begin. I purpose today that I'm going to obey the Word of God. I'm going to let you lead me, Spirit of God, and I'm going to obey you. And watch what happens next. The peace of God that passes understanding and the God of peace will fill your heart and mind. I believe that today. That's for you. So would you stand with me? If you need to come forward for prayer, I encourage you to do that as John leads us in a, a song of praise and worship. God's speaking to your heart and you say, I just, I just want to find a place to just renew and refresh. The altars are open. I believe in altar calls. I'll tell you why. Because there's something about stepping out from where you are and just saying, you know what? I'm going to do some business with you, God. And that's what an altar is.